If you're looking for a podcast about all things hunting, especially in the South, you've come to the right place. My name is Weber Herbison, and hunting is the ultimate addiction. Welcome back to the Ultimate Addiction Podcast. This is episode two. Uh, I really appreciate all the people that that reached out to us about episode one. I really didn't expect it to get as many listens and uh, downloads as it did. And I actually had a bunch of people texting me about it and uh, giving me some feedback. So I really appreciate that. Weber gets distracted by the camera. Yeah, so I get to... Lose his train of thought. <laughs> yeah, I get, I'll get to talking and I'll see myself on the camera and I'll I'll forget what I was talking about. So I'd adjust that. That way he would be stay focused. Yeah, so we're back in the uh, the studio, a.k.a. my my crammed office room. It's nice. It works. Yeah. It's quiet, real quiet. Yeah, and, and unless we got our dogs barking somewhere. But for today's episode, we figured before we got on any topics or anything like that, we would kind of talk about how our deer season's been so far, kind of some goods and bads out of it. Uh, I killed a deer with my bow second day of bow season this year, and that that is it for me. Uh, And and Patrick killed one. When did you kill yours? Um, probably third week of bow season. Yeah. I can't remember exactly when it was. It was still October and the leaves were still green. <laughs> and so, barely had food plots. Yeah. And it might have been last week of October, I think, maybe. Um, yeah. And then trying to hunt some more deer. We've got a nice eight point on camera that been trying to hunt for last year. He was a shooter and we've had him on camera for four years, I believe. Dang. So he's grown. So that's the next deer we're going to try to get after. Yeah, I've been passing up some deer that I might should have not been passing up and, you know, just being picky, trying to let, you know, my family kill something uh, since I seem to be the only one who who kills anything most years. And, uh, you got to hunt to kill things. That's right, yeah. I get on my, my dad all the time because he don't hunt enough. Uh, well, he takes my mom, and so I don't want to say she gets in the way, but he likes to use her as an excuse of why he doesn't kill anything. Good excuse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm more of a, I'm, I'm very uh, aggressive with my hunting. He likes to hang back and, you know, sleep in, chill out. I'm going to get in early, stay late type of guy. That's going to be a topic one of these days. When we get into the tactics uh, series, I think we're going to start. But uh, Next week, maybe? Yeah, hopefully we'll start that next week. It'll be a tactics series. Probably, I don't know, we'll, go, we'll talk about 
really hit on everything from scent control to, uh, you know, when should you get in the woods, when should you not be in the woods, uh, trail cameras. We kind of hit on that the first episode, but that's definitely a big tactic. Uh, saddles are a big thing. I do not use saddles, but I don't either. Prefer a tree stand. Yeah, I'm definitely a, a lock on kind of guy. But, you know, we might touch on that. We'll touch on tree stand setups, uh, food sources, food trees, times of year, when to hunt them, all that kind of stuff. So it'll be, it'll be good. But for now, we're just going to talk about where we are right now as of, uh, 2023 deer season and the fact that i'm missing the rut right now because we all are because of finals and everything else but it's our last week so hopefully we have three weeks off hopefully that will produce produce something something. yeah (laughs) dang we know each other too well (laughs) all right so i think today we're just going to talk about weber's deer He's got a lot of history with the deer, or the hunting club as a whole has a history, not just Weber. Um, I'm going to ask a couple of questions about him. You got anything to say before we start asking questions? Oh, I don't guess. Uh, yeah, we we didn't really have much history with him. This was the first year we actually had pictures of him, but the yeah, hunting the, the club as the a club, whole. Yes, he was well known uh, around the hunting club. And so, so just to kind of get people an idea, how old was this deer? So I know people have been hunting him for four years. So he's been mature at least. He was at least five and a half, four years ago. Goodness. And uh, we really think he was probably 10 this year, which is crazy because you don't hear about that often. And... uh I've I've kept up with deer for a really long time and I've seen deer get close to 10. You know, I've seen I've seen some deer that we knew were probably 8, 9 maybe, but 10's kind of crazy. Just especially to still be as big as he was is crazy. How much did he weigh? 260 pounds. Big on, deer. On October the 1st. Yeah, that's a big deer. Yeah. Especially for Mississippi. Yeah, that's still summer body. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, just a, he was a tank. Yep. So, I guess that's a little bit of the history. My first question is, tell us the history. Um, I'm trying to think if I can add anything to that. I mean, I don't know much about him. Kind of the first thing I heard about him was from Weber this year. I guess I heard about him last year, just people hunting him. But other than that, I don't know much. Yeah. The crazy thing is... I'd always known about him, but I'd never had pictures of him. And uh, I looked for his sheds really hard last year. Just, uh, you know, with school and everything, I didn't have much time to shed hunt like I normally do. Has anybody found the sheds before? Yes. There's been, oh, I I know two or three years people have found his sheds, and they were big. So I'm holding him right now. I don't know if... I don't know what you can see in the camera, but he's a, he used to be a clean 10, and this year he, you know, he's a Mississippi eight point, if you're not going by Boone and Crockett, 
Boone and Crockett, he is a mainframe nine point. So go ahead and I mean, explain that. Not a, I mean, mainframe six point. So go ahead and explain that. <clears throat> so he's missing this brow time. He's missing his right brow time. And Boone and Crockett rules. He's got this dagger on the front, but he's missing this brow time. And when you're going by net score mainframe on a deer, you always go by the smallest side or the the side with the least amount of points. And so on his mainframe, he only has three points on his right side, which would make him a mainframe six point. But on his left, you know, he does have the five main pr- mainframe points. And then he's got this crazy thing on the end uh, that's knotted up, a little drop tine. So, what do you think happened there? Man, I have no idea because it's crazy. He's this side is so knotted up and balled up. You know, some people say flies in velvet, but I really don't know. Uh, but he, I'm smoking this camera with the horns, but he did this last year. He knotted up his left side last year in velvet. So, I don't know, I don't know why he did that or how, but this is him. Trying to get him on camera. Yeah, I don't think the camera does that deer justice for sure. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. pretty massive. Yeah, uh, mean, we both I'm six five, so my hands aren't <laughs> small. And there's areas of that horns that I can't reach my fingers around. Yeah, his bases were right at seven inches, I think. Yeah, it's a definitely mature deer. Got his mass, been around for a while. Um, the next question I have is how to get his name. I don't know. All I know is uh, they called him Scar for. I don't. I don't think anybody shot him. But since we've been in that hunting club, I'm pretty sure people have been hunting him, and they just called him Scar. If there's a reason behind it, I don't know. Uh, but the name fits for whatever reason. I don't know if it's just because he's got so much character and he's just real. He's real dark horn. He's kind of. He's got a dagger on the front of his, you know, right beam. But yeah, they named him Scar, and yeah, I honestly. just I don't think I mentioned earlier, but like Weber said, his name's Scar. First thing I think of is the Lion King, mm-hmm. the mean uncle that tried to take yeah. over. So, but we don't know. Maybe we can get somebody on yeah. here and figure I'll, out that I'll name. To, I'll have to ask somebody because yeah. I really don't know. Yep. Yeah. All right, so my next question is, have you tried to hunt him before? You kind of touched on that earlier, saying, no, this is your first yeah. year to really hunt him and get pictures of him. Yeah, so we uh, we never had pictures of him until this year. And I had had a camera at this spot where I got pictures of him every year. And I think it just, this particular area, just became more deer habitat if that makes sense through the years when i first found this spot it was really open uh it had kind of been cut recently and now it's really that underbrush has really grown and uh the the habitat has just gotten so much better since i found this spot originally and also the food trees in this area happened to make this year and so that's really you know that's where i killed him on was a bean tree and so there was a lot of deer in there, a ton. Like opening weekend when I killed him, it was golly. Do you remember how hot it was? Seventy right. something degrees. 
91 was the high. Yeah, 92. Yeah. I think the low was in the 70s. I was wearing a T-shirt, and I saw the – so opening day, I killed him the day after opening day, but opening day I saw 28 deer that morning. Uh, and I saw – he walked under me that evening in the dark, and the only reason I knew it was him was through my binoculars I could see that dagger on the front. And I uh, killed him the next morning. But, yeah, it was hot. But I saw a lot of deer, is what I'm saying. Really good spot this year. And the bad thing is I hadn't been back. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got the deer that you were after. Yeah, so, so that he was the only mature deer in there, so that's why. I'd... Yeah. And I can't remember exactly, but was your dad hunting him last year? So. Across the lake? We thought uh, that he was. Turns out there was another deer that they were calling Scar, and they were getting the two mixed up because in the years past, they looked so similar. And they actually think that this other Scar that my dad saw last year is like his offspring. Okay. And uh, he ended up getting killed uh, by a guy uh, about a month after I killed this one, and it was nowhere really. So that's the deer they call Scar 2? Scar 2, yeah, that's what they ended up. Because once they figured out that they weren't the same deer, they just called him Scar 1 and Scar 2, basically. How old was he, you think? Old, but not not 10. I mean, I would would vouch that he could be an offspring. Uh, But mature. Yeah, very mature. Yeah, definitely older than six, I would say. All right, so my next question is, how do you get around hunting with other people hunting him? So, just so everybody knows that we both hunt in hunting clubs. There's yeah. other people hunting. Not quite the pressure as public land, but there is pressure. And people share knowledge. So, if you have somebody that's real greedy, they're going to go hunt the deer. Yeah. But luckily, where we both hunt, we kind of work together. So, how'd you kind of go about that? Uh, that's kind of the reason I never hunted him in years past was because he really liked to stay around the camp. And a lot of people like to hunt around the camp. You know, it's close, it's convenient. Uh, and so we we rarely, my dad and I, we rarely hunt around the camp just because it's a lot of hunting pressure. Uh, and there's, for, for reference, the hunting club, it's got a lot of members, but it's 13,000 acres. It's a large tract of woods. And so, you know, there's there's too many acres to roam to be hunting on top of other people. So that's kind of why I never hunted him until this year. And when I got pictures of him, I knew that nobody was around me. And so that kind of gave me free reign to, to hunt him this year. Uh, but as far as, you know, avoiding other people, it is it is kind of hard because sometimes... I'll be getting pictures of a deer, and I'll know that I can kill him at this other spot, but that's not my spot, or somebody else has been hunting in there, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to encroach on them or something, so it it gets tough, but it at the same time, it helps you learn about yourself as a hunter and how to kill deer in different ways, if that makes sense, because if you can find a way around, you know, if you know a deer is coming to this spot and it's not your spot and you know if somebody was hunting him i obviously wouldn't be encroaching around him 
but if I know nobody's hunting that spot and it just isn't my spot, I therefore will have to figure out where is he coming from to get to that spot. How can I, how can I hunt him from somewhere else that isn't where he's going? And that's not ideal. I tell people all the time, I don't care where he's coming from. I care, I care where he's going. Uh, but, where he is. <laughs> yeah, where he is. Uh, but so yeah, it you know hunting with people it is what it is thankfully where we hunt we don't have nobody's really that greedy everybody's kind of you know they understand it's a big place and if somebody's hunting a deer they a lot of times will will let you they'll try to stay out of there for the most part thankfully Uh, but i know other places that they do not i got a buddy in another hunting club and they will hunt your stands and they will ride their side-by-sides underneath your stand they'll make a road to your stand you know nothing's nothing's safe but it uh it can be a challenge but it can also help you at the same time i guess yeah. and luckily for Weber, that time of year there's a bunch of farmers in there That's yeah harvest season yeah in the delta everybody's farming so you know october is everybody's wide open and so that is why my family farms and so that is why i did not become a farmer because i wanted to be able to hunt in both season yep yep hunt them before the pressure's on there yeah and then wait till the rut (laughs) yeah all right so my next question is we kind of talked about just a little bit what were you what were you targeting to find him were you looking for him or were you just like this is a good deer area so, I like I said, I looked for his sheds last year hard, and I did not find them. Uh, did anybody find them? Maybe. May, I want to say somebody told me that somebody found one one side, and I didn't know this until I killed him. Uh, and I'd shot him, and somebody told me, and they, all they said was, I saw a shed last year, such and such found it, and it was impressive. Uh, Do you know where that was? I guess it doesn't matter because it was after you killed him. But yeah, so I think he found it at one of the protein feeders, like in camp. Gotcha. So, which is not uncommon because someone else found his shed two years ago on a protein feeder on the main road right there at camp. So, like he was—that's why he was so well known because you'd see him driving in and out all the time at night, especially late season. Uh, so, like I said, I'd had this spot for years before, and I went in there just to check it, and I just, I would, I jumped a bunch of deer, and there was a ton of sign, and so I was like... Buck I, sign or just deer sign in general? Just deer sign, really. There, I didn't see any, no rubs or anything like that, just deer sign. And uh, I went in there to check those food trees. And like I said, jumped a bunch of deer, saw a bunch of deer sign. So I stuck a camera up on a stump that I have in there, Salt Lake, and got a picture of him a few days later. And he had changed from last year, but I knew exactly who he was. And that was the only picture I got of him on that stump. I actually, I take that back. I might have got one more picture of him like way in the background, but that's the only one I got of him coming to that stump. When was that? What time of year? It was late, late in the summer. Uh, August late or September? Like September, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, probably early September, probably the very start of September, actually. Uh, just one picture, maybe two. And then 
the bean tree I killed him on started dropping pretty early, like mid-September, and so I moved the camera onto it. And he was, man, I mean, he was coming to the bean tree, but he was not, you know, he was elusive. Like, it'd be like one picture of him every other day or something like that. Or, you know, he'd come in. i tell you what, Mississippi has a velvet season now, and we do not do the velvet hunt. But he, the weekend of the velvet season, he was in there morning and evening, all three days, which would have been really cool to kill him in velvet. I actually thought that I might still kill him in velvet because the season opened uh, on September 30th this year instead of October 1st. It was first Saturday. Yeah, and so I really thought I might still kill him in velvet, but he shed pretty early, which might have something to do with those knots on that left side. Yep, possibly. All right, and then how did you... Not sure if I answered your question or not. Yeah, you kind of got it. And we talked about it earlier, so it's, yeah. you know. Yeah, I'm kind of... Just another way of wording it. So how did you set up on him? What was kind of... Were you setting up on the feed tree? Were you setting up on a trail, scrape, just hoping to find him? Or were you kind of... Did you have a plan? So as soon as I started getting pictures of him on the bean tree, I was like, all right, that's where I'm going to kill him. And I had already had a stand in there from years past, but I'd taken the stand down. All I had was a ladder still there. And it's a, it's really a, a persimmon tree and a bean tree, but the persimmon tree wasn't, it didn't drop till real late. So I went in there and hung the stand, like, as soon as I started getting pictures of him on the bean tree. And then a week later, uh, I realized... I don't know how I realized this. I think, oh, maybe I was banking on the persimmon tree dropping. I thought the bean tree was going to drop out, and then the persimmon tree was going to start dropping by opening day. And then I, so I went in there to check it again, and I realized the persimmons were still green, and they were not going to be ready by opening day, and I was going to have to hunt him on the, on the bean tree instead of kind of in between. So I had to move the stand, like, that day. It was... It was the weekend before deer season. I had to go in there and move the stand. And How far did you move it? Just so people know. like It's bow hunting and you've got to be close. Yeah. I So I moved the stand 25 yards. Yeah. And that's the difference in having a shot or no, not. Exactly. Literally, had I not moved the stand, I wouldn't have killed him. Yeah. And, you know, people say all the time, my dad's one of them. You know, if, well, if he's coming to that one feed tree is going to go to the other and that's just it just not the case for a lot of times uh yeah, mature deer want to get in and get out yeah they get, exactly they get in quiet they leave quiet and they're really fast about it uh there was actually a fallen tree between where my stand used to be and where i moved it to or or in between where it used to be and the bean tree so i could not even see the bean tree much less shoot and like i said you're talking 25 yards and so i moved it to where i could shoot the bean tree and i could also still kind of shoot the symmetry it's actually in a much better spot than it used to be but the problem is you're literally on top of the trail and that's why the evening before i killed him he walked literally to my ladder and smelled my ladder and uh I guess we might get into that later, the actual hunt itself. But uh, 
I heard a quote one time from somebody, somebody from the hunting public, and I can't remember which one said it. Zach Farrenball. Well, yeah, had to be Zach, and he just said, "Don't be afraid to do what you know you have to do to kill the animal," and I live by that. I will, if I know that a, through my trail cameras a deer is coming to a food tree, I I will move that stand to that food tree. Or it's just, it can, he was referring to like, if you're stalking a deer and you know that you have to ease up and shoot right then to kill him. Yeah, do it. You have to do it right then. And so uh, that's kind of, you know, I I really took that quote to heart and I use it for everything. I kind of think of that quote like, you know, if Weber would have been sitting back 25 more yards, he wouldn't have the shot anyway. And, you know, people are scared to move because you might spook the deer. But, you know, if you never get a shot, it doesn't matter if you spook him. Yeah, I, I live by that. And with turkeys, too, it's like if if you don't if you know you're not going to kill him without making that move, don't be scared to make the move because if you sit back. Yeah, spooking what, or not killing him, either way you don't have it. Either way, yeah, you don't end so up. So at least you went for it and even had the opportunity, you know. Yep. You know, you're closer moving, making that move versus just sitting back. Yep. I definitely, like I said, I hunt aggressively and I, you know, as a bow hunter, I feel like you have to do that. You have to be that way. You know, especially in the South, you're talking, I mean, 90% of my stands, your max shot distance is like 35 yards. So, and like getting a mature deer in 35 yards is hard. Like, you and have even, to be... Like, that's your window where the deer can duck. Yeah, too. yeah. So the closer they are, the faster that air can get to them, the better. Yeah, no doubt. Like, you, I mean, that's my thinking is I want to be where they are. If my trail camera says I'm getting pictures of a deer right here, that's where I want my stand is right there. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't want to be on a trail 50 yards away. I don't want to see the deer. I want to kill the deer. Yep. That, that, that's my philosophy. Yeah. All right, so we've kind of gotten into leading up to the hunt. You said a couple times that you saw him the evening before. So let's kind of get into the evening before and then the morning you shot him. So, like I said, the evening before, I uh, or the morning before, saw a ton of deer. Came back in that evening and uh saw a few deer five or six you know spikes whatnot Uh, i think a few small bucks and i was actually i stay late like when i i get in there in the dark and i leave in the dark and uh you know that time of year it gets dark at what like 6 45 7 yeah yeah late and uh so i was packing up to get down and you know i'm filming hunts you got your camera arm you got i got so much stuff in my backpack it's unreal and so it normally takes me a little while to get down i take my time i like to listen as i'm doing it you know whatever and i'd got my backpack on my back hooked my bow up turned to let it down and i heard a, a stick break and i'm talking like 10 yards you know it was dark enough that i couldn't see i could just hear and uh, got my binoculars up, and all I could see, like I said, was that dagger on his on the front, and I knew it was him. 
and just immediately went into panic mode because, I mean, even though it's dark, he's at eight steps. And he actually turns, like I said earlier, and walks to my ladder. And he, I'm sitting there holding my bow. And you, I know I was shaking so bad. I felt like my legs were just jello. And I, like, I knew I wasn't going to be able to shoot him because it was dark. And I was still that nervous. And he walks up to my ladder. And he, he looks straight up that ladder. Just, I mean, slow. Like he's, I don't know, like something in a movie. And he like looks, walking up that ladder. Yeah, like with his eyes. He walks up the ladder and looks right at me. And I almost had a heart attack. And he, he jumped back about 10 yards because... I don't, I don't think he saw me, but, you know, he smelled that ladder yeah, or whatever knew something it was. Up. Yeah, and so he jumped back like 10 yards, and by this point, it's like I said, it's dark. I can't see him anymore. And I knew he didn't go anywhere, so I sat there, and I listened to him walk so slowly. And he walked. This is the cool thing to me, and another lesson about trail cameras also he came in from the west, walks up to my ladder, jumps back 10 yards. I listened to him walk, you know, for 20 or so minutes. I'm just sitting up in the tree, and I listened to him walk around, and he walks around that bean tree where my camera is, and he comes in the camera frame from the east. So he made a huge loop. Had I not been in the tree, I'd have thought he was coming from the east. But he actually came from the west. And so I sat up there in the tree for an hour or an hour and a half and uh, waiting on it to wait on him to leave. And so I get the picture of him. This is after I'd been sitting there for, golly, 45 minutes. And so I know he's under the tree. And... Uh, Anyway, I quit hearing him, and 10 minutes probably after I last heard him, I hear a just a roar. I mean, the loudest roar, you know, like a like a rut roar out in the thicket. And I knew it was him because that you know that's the direction he was headed, and uh, obviously he's the only mature deer in there. Yeah. And so I gave him 15, 20 more minutes probably, and I eased out of there so quiet. Uh, it's real thick, but I still used a really, really dim light. That's another thing we're going to talk about in the tactics episodes is lights. But anyway, eased out of there really, really quiet. Knew I didn't spook him. And I got back to my cabin at like 9 o'clock. And, you know, everybody... Everybody calls you crazy for doing stuff like that until you kill the deer. I mean, I don't want to say everybody, but normal people, as soon as they'd have lost sight of him, they probably would have gotten down and just assumed the hunt was over. And deer just aren't... If deer ran off from everything that scared them, they'd be running nonstop. You know, you can get away with more than you think and if you're just smart about it. And, you know, hunt like your I don't know I don't want to say like your life depends on it but you know just just be smart about yeah. things alright so we've gotten through the evening hunt um, so we got back at 9 what were you kind of thinking leaving the deer the deer being there basically looked at you in the stand did you feel like it was over 
No, not at all. Uh, my thought was, I'm going to kill him in the morning. When when you see a deer like that coming to a, a food tree, or if you're getting pictures of him, in the let's say in the daylight, he is there. Especially early season, if, if, if a mature deer is coming to a food source and you're getting pictures of him, or you see him, he is close. You know, it's hot. They're not moving a lot. And so I I didn't know, but I had really, really high hopes and plans to kill him the next morning. And so I got in the tree the next morning, for reference, a shooting light that morning was at 6.42. I was in the tree at 5 o'clock. <laughs> And when I say shooting light was at 642, that's when it was legal to shoot. It was not daylight. Well, I mean, it's supposed to be, but I'm in the woods. It was thick. Like, it was dark. Yeah. And we actually had a test on Tuesday. So I sat in the dark on my phone and studied for an hour and a half or more. And uh, it gets to be about 620. And I can hear deer walking around that bean tree. But I'm not getting any pictures on my cell cam for whatever reason. And uh, finally, it gets just light enough in some sage grass, some like light-colored sage grass, that I see the silhouette of a deer. And I put up my binoculars and just immediately knew it was him. Just, I mean, the deer weighs 260. It, you know, he stands out, even if you can't see his horns. Knew it was him. And uh, so, you know, then the nerves start kind of kicking in, like, come on, I need it to get daylight, you know, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And he's with, like, two or three other bucks, and they're all feeding under this tree. And I'm getting them mixed up. I'm thinking he's this one, and I'm looking through my binoculars, and I can't tell. And then I'm looking at this other one, and I'm thinking that's him, and whatever, whatever. Like, I'm not going to say I started panicking but it's i'm really wanting it to get daylight and as it starts getting daylight uh he or i lose him and i'm like oh my gosh i hope he's not gone whatever whatever that fallen tree that i mentioned the trail runs right under the fallen tree and i hear a stick break under that tree for reference this fallen tree is it like 10 yards max and uh put up my binoculars and all i see is that dagger and i was like about to panic but i knew the direction he was headed he was headed back west where he came from the night before i knew that if he veered left or right i could kill him and i was really hoping he would veer left because that would make it like a 15 yard shot instead of a five yard shot but he came right, and when he turned right, he had some brush between me and him, so I went to draw, and he just froze and pinned me, I mean, plain as day. We talked about it in the last episode. Like I said, I thought I was being so stealthy and so smooth when I went to let down and everything, and I really wasn't. But uh, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was my praying that he wouldn't bust out of there or what, but he uh, kept on walking, 
and he he knew something was off and I did like I knew it was a matter of time before he busted out of there and so I, I had some cover and like I said it was pretty dark you, you know at this point it's light enough that you can shoot it, you know it's after shooting light and uh, it's just light enough that I can shoot at five steps and uh, I really thought he was gonna bust out of there so I drew back as fast as I could thinking he was gonna bound back about 15 or 20 yards and stop and he just didn't he just stood there and so I kind of had a quarter and two me shot just a little bit and uh, just let it eat at five yards and I had no clue in the world where I hit him I was I knew by the way he ran out of there that he was hit and probably good because he was just tearing through everything but I did not have a clue where I hit him because it was like I said it was dark ish and uh, I was kind of shooting through some some limbs and everything else but uh, it was so dark that I got down to look for blood and uh, had to get my flashlight because it was just, you know, it's that blue light in the woods woods right at, you know, uh, which ones, like, I mean, first daylight, dawn or dusk, I don't know which one's which, (laughs) but uh, yeah, and so I found one tiny drop of blood right where he was standing and immediately got back in the tree. I didn't, you know, and just started calling people. And I, like I said, I shot him at like 645 and, and shooting like, it might have been a little before 642, but it wasn't long before. And I sat in the tree till like 9 or 10 o'clock, just calling people, talking on the phone and whatnot. Didn't see another deer, obviously, because I'm talking on the phone, being an idiot. Uh, but, but yeah, uh and as it got good in daylight, I could see blood everywhere through my binoculars, just on the on the little Johnson grass and everything else. So I knew it was hit good. Uh, but we did end up uh, calling a guy with a dog to come help us find it just to be safe because yeah. I, I have lost a deer being stupid and going and looking too early. Yeah. And that'll be another episode is... When to go looking for your deer, when to stop, and when to call the dog. Yeah. So, a bunch of information on that, too. So, Hopefully. basically the end of Scar there. Yeah. Uh, we we found him a little after lunch. He had been dead since I shot him. Uh, and it's unfortunate that he laid there that long. But, you know, with a deer like that, and especially not knowing where I hit him. Had I known where I hit him, I probably would have gone and looked immediately. How far did he go? 150, 200 yards, maybe. Like right on the edge of where? Yeah, yeah. I hit him. It went in. Like I said, he was quartering kind of to me, and he was at five yards. And I hit him right behind, right next to his spine, right behind the front shoulder, and it came out by his uh, back left hind quarter. I mean, so it, it tore him up. Like, it tore up everything. It drilled him. But... I had no idea where I hit yeah. him. It'd be safe and somewhere for sure. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's where I was aiming. You know, in quotes, aiming. But thankfully, that's that is where I hit him. Yeah. All right, and then my story is not too impressive about my eight point. Um, we're getting pictures of him later in the week when he's coming up on a weekend, and 
was going home and my dad said that's where you need to be hunting that deer who was showing up in daylight and setting the stand and had a couple does walk by early and i say early it was eight o'clock i think before i saw them dang and uh so kind of late really especially in early summer you know mm-hmm. it seems like we get to daylight pretty early yeah definitely not uh six in the morning yeah yeah i could see very well yeah yeah you were to 642 you weren't fighting i couldn't even see through my range finder that's yeah. a, that's how uh early it was yeah and so so speaking of that if you are going to buy a range finder make sure it's red so you can see it at night the black range finders the ones with the black radicals they are hard to see yeah so pro tip there if you want to call us a pro yeah but Anyway, um, sitting there and saw a few does, debating on whether to shoot the does. It was kind of far, and our deer just real, real skittish. So it's 50 yards. A lot of people you listen to, the 50-yard mark is where you can get in trouble with deer ducking. And so I passed on the does, and it was a little bit, and I was studying for a test, too. I think we had a test Monday in a different class. And uh, when I went to get out my iPad, I was looking at that. And I heard something, a stick crack behind me. And I looked back and said, oh, there's a doe. And then I got to looking some more and up being two bucks. And so the deer I shot, he basically walked up to my stand too, looked at me. I was scared. He was north of me and it was a south wind. So luckily yeah. it was early enough and it was cooler in the morning. So he had thermals rising. Yeah. And then my wind was probably blowing over him because, I mean, probably 30 feet up in this stand, a real tall stand. And he walked just a little bit and drew back on him and smoked him at 10 yards, watched him fall. So, Like a boss. Yeah. My story's not quite as exciting, not as detailed, but we yeah, got but, it done. Yeah, but I mean, that's just a testament to kind of what I was saying earlier. If you're, get, if you're getting pictures of a buck in the daylight, you need to be hunting him right then. Yeah. As soon as you get pictures of him in the daylight, you need to be hunting him. And a lot of people are against hunting early mornings in october because deer coming from food and i was on a food plot and still kill this deer at 8 30 yeah you know so you just go to show just be in the woods that that's my whole thing i the the whole myths about deer hunting you know you don't don't need to hunt mornings in the early season and you know I'm trying to think of some more myths off the top of my head, like don't hunt deer on full moon. Yeah, the full they moon. Don't move during the full moon, they move at night, they move in the middle of the day. Yeah, you know, like oh, moon's full. Don't don't need to go this morning. You know, sleep in. I all of that is just a myth. It, you know, in my opinion, it's all. I don't a myth. think it's a myth, but uh, just be in the woods. Yeah, that's what I was getting There's to. Different tactics and. Like we said, we won't go into that next couple of weeks, but just be in the woods. If you've got an hour to be in the woods, just be there. That, that's exactly what I was getting to. Literally, just I don't. It doesn't matter the conditions. If if the deer is there, the deer is there. Deer live there. Yeah, it's not like they go home. They live there year round. Like like oh, deer don't move when it's hot. You know, just just debunk that. Talk about killed the deer when it was the high was ninety one. Yeah, and you know, it's just if he's there. He's there, and you need to be there. And on top of that, can't kill a deer in the bed. No. <laughs> like, 
That's one place you for sure can't kill. Ain't no doubt. You might not kill them when the conditions aren't right, but you for sure can't kill them sitting in the bed. Yep. You got to be in the stand to kill the deer, and that is the number one pro tip. If you want to kill more deer, spend more time in the stand. Yep. A lot of people you listen to, that's the people that kill a lot of deer and a lot of big deer, they're in the woods every chance they get. Whether that it's scouting or actually in a stand, they're in the woods. Yep. The conditions conditions might play a small factor in where you go, what you do, things like that. But if you want to kill more deer, spend more time in the stand. Yep. That, that is it. Yep. And we'll get into more specific stuff the next couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely when we get into the tactic stuff. And, and I have stories of other deer i've killed that i can run back on you know and it's proven those tactics work yeah yep and so i'm i'm excited to do that uh so any other questions uh, uh that's all i've got um so if you listen last week or you're listening this week whether it's your you know, I say first-time listener, it's almost the first-time podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, would really appreciate a five-star review. It takes no time to do that. You yeah. can write a review. Um, I know that takes a little more time, a little more thought, but it takes no time just to click five stars. Um, another podcast I listen to, and I'm going to quote them, they say, if you don't leave five stars, don't leave anything. <laughs> so, yeah. we'd really appreciate that. It'd help us get into the algorithms and maybe get us in the flow of things. Yeah. Share with your buddies. Uh, tell your friends about it. Uh, we got a lot of cool stuff that we're going to talk about. So hopefully we can, if nothing else, entertain you, but maybe give you something that you could, you know, take with you and, and use. Yep. So with that, I think we're going to sign it off. Uh, I'm going to just say one more thing, and that is... Spend more time in the woods and less time in the bed. Yep. <laughs>